welcome back to Vibes HQ. Or should I say Vibes HC? Yeah. Or should I say CTP? I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah, you've thrown a lot of acronyms out there, but I mean, the Ducks are vibing right now. This yeah. this is wild. I mean, I made the prediction in the Discord that the Ducks were the Ducks were going to go 4 and 0 on this road trip. It was definitely just kind of going with the vibes of the team, the fact that they had played well. I mean, it's crazy to think about how much time has passed since the last time we recorded. The last time we recorded, this road trip had not even started yet. The Ducks had just lost back-to-back games to Arizona and to Boston, but it felt like things were going the right way. And I threw out the prediction the Ducks were going to go 4-0 on this road trip. Lo and behold, they pulled it off, and we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much to get to, and we're going to try to go in the most logical order. The thing to note right off the top here is that the Ducks played tonight. So by the time you're listening, the Ducks defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-3 to in just thrilling fashion. So give a quick thought on this game, and then we'll go. We'll get into the news yeah, of the and, last week. Yeah, and I mean, I think we should definitely just start with this game, seeing it's the freshest. This is what everyone's probably wants to hear right off the bat with how this game was. And sure, th- this was a wild game because this was one where I don't – this was the Ducks' worst game. Uh, of the road trip in my opinion at five on five this was the one where and it's gonna happen this is a young team this is the last game of a a over week-long road trip for this team or week-long road trip for this team this is one that is gonna be a tough game and the pittsburgh penguins are a really good team they're a team that is better than the ducks at five on five and the ducks are last time i checked 10th in the league in expected goals for percentage. Yes, you heard that right. 10th in the league at 52.7% uh, percent expected goals for percentage. Pittsburgh is 6th at 55%. And that along with some, let's go with sketchy officiating. And I'm not one to ever really want to call out officiating because I think it is what it is. You have to live to deal with it. But the Ducks really had to battle back with kind of their backs against the walls in this game. The fact that Greg Cronin was booted from the game, the fact that he was given a two-minute minor for that situation all of a sudden the Ducks on a five-on-three, it felt like all cards were stacked up against this team. The fact that they weren't playing their best game, and they somehow battled their way through it. At every punch that the the Penguins had, it felt like the Ducks had a counterpunch to their game. And Lucas Dostal came in and, I mean, to that note, like John Gibson, John Gibson left the game after the first period with what appeared to be a back strain or something along those lines after making a stretching save to save a goal at the end of the first period. And Lucas Dostal comes in and is pretty much lights out for the most part. I mean, comes up massive in the five on three to end the game um, that the Ducks have to kill off. And that led to Mason McTavish, who's come up clutch for this team now multiple times. The The Boston game will get to it eventually, scores the OT winner. This game gets a breakaway and is able to bury it in that situation. And this was a game that the Ducks probably didn't deserve to win. We talk about the Boston game from a week ago last Sunday before we recorded how the Ducks deserved to win that game, but they just ended up on the wrong side. This was the opposite in this game. And the thing is, you're going to have your bad games. The best teams in the league still find ways to win those games and are able to counterpunch in those situations. And Ducks were able to do that in this game. Yeah, they were in their D zone a lot in this game. Yeah. They yeah. were having to defend. And at least when the top six was on the ice, it felt like they were, you know, in in spots being able to do 
what we've seen this season, which is bend and don't break. Yeah. Where they managed to keep some things to the outside. Sometimes assignments would get blown. But yeah, like like you said, there's they're not all going to be masterpieces. And I think that this game was a masterpiece in a different way. It wasn't the perfect five-on-five process. They, they got outplayed at five-on-five. But yeah, I think to kill off a five-on-three at the end of a game against that team in particular like it's not a five on three against uh what was it crosby malkin gensel raquel carlson Carlson. yeah it wasn't a five on three you know against the sharks power play with Mm -hmm. with i guess it's not really all due respect but (laughs) with the over october sharks um yeah that was against like multiple hall of famers on one power play and the ducks were able to kill that off and i think in large part you you brought his name up already but lucas dostal just making incredible saves, getting across, closing off the angles. And for a smaller goalie, he's really, he makes a lot of blocking saves. And you would think yeah. that, you would think that that's not really what you will, you, what you would expect from a, a smaller goalie. You know, you would expect more reactive saves, but he was just getting over and almost making it look easy on some of these cross ice, you know, across the Royal Road one-time shots that the penguins were getting like yeah. the, like like the, the ducks pk limited the damage in those final minutes but they also like you're gonna give up grade a chances it's 100 it's the nature of five on three and dostal came up clutch like that yeah. is a clutch sequence for him and there were a bunch of those sequences throughout the third period specifically where the ducks whether it was due to uh being tired on the end of a long road trip being overly committed to some checks potentially due to being not having Greg Cronin on the bench and trying to do a bit too much, but they allowed some really nice passing plays from the Penguins to open up some nice shots. And Dostal did an amazing job of tracking all of those shots and just kind of being so calm in his pushes. And this was something I noted a bit last year. And there was a game against the Oilers where it really felt like this, where he's just so in control with his pushes and cuts down the shooting angle so much that there's just not a lot for people to shoot at. And in that five on three, I think there was a, I think Crosby had a one timer yep. where, where Dostal is just able to get to the post so quickly and calmly. And I would think for most goalies that goes in, like that was a great shot on the post, really good shot from Crosby, great setup, everything like that. Dostal just read it perfectly and got to the post in plenty of time to be able to make the save there. And I mean, it goes to show his numbers from the game, as you could imagine, 4.32 GSAX. That that's not too shabby for a single game. Yeah, and and the and the thing with Dostal this season is that he hasn't been amazing. No, but you don't need your goal. Like if you're if you're a team that's a competitive team, you shouldn't need your goalies to be amazing like that every single night. No, nope. but you every like once for, in a while, you like for that to have that in their back pocket when the team is is needing that lift. And he gave them that. And then oh by the way, as the penalty expires, just poetic fashion. Adam yeah. Henrique gets the puck up to Mason McTavish, scores a second goal of the game, and now Mason McTavish sitting on five goals, six assists, eleven points in nine games a season. Like he, yeah. he is having just like a human torch kind of start to the season, and I feel like because there's been so much excitement throughout this Ducks lineup with Segris, Carlson, Matukov, you know, go down the list, it almost feels like he's been overshadowed a little bit but he's maybe been like arguably the best of the bunch yeah and i think you could make the argument that from a production standpoint he has been i think the other guys maybe at five on five with the their play has been better but 
I think our view of those types of numbers maybe overshadows him a little bit with how well he's played. And I think the other point of this is that at some point, those guys are going to get going. But right now, they're not going from a production standpoint. So getting these goals from this second line is so important for this team right now, while that line, the top line of of Zegris, uh, Carlson, and Terry is a bit snake-bitten. And so getting that from this line is huge right now. And McTavish has stepped up and scored big goals for this team so far. And so has Carlson, so has a couple of, of other guys. Yeah. And so th- this was, I, I think there's a lot of games where they've played well and the vibes have been high. As uh, as you can HD. tell with the Anaheim Vibes Hockey Club shirt that you can see in the, the logo above, go to crashspawn.com slash shop to get your shirts. Uh, this felt like the ultimate vibes night, though, where you throw <laughs> out the numbers. We don't typically do that with looking at some of those stats and numbers and things like that. But this felt like a night where the vibes were just on point. That That's what matters from this game. I think you don't want this type of game to happen again from no. a process standpoint. But on a one-off, pulling off this type of game, first off, it can really snowball for you in terms of good process going off of this because you build belief. And I think from the other perspective of Greg Cronin's trying to build a culture, and we'll get to something he did earlier in the season, um, earlier in the or sorry, earlier in the week to create that. Um, and this felt like almost the team trying to do it for him because of him not being yeah. able to be on the bench for the third period. Can you explain and- to folks what happened? Oh, man. So, essentially what happened is, in the second period, Ross Johnson appears to score a goal. Really nice shot from him. He deserves a lot of credit for really taking a nice shot in that situation. Uh, It is called back for goaltender interference. My best read on the situation was it was probably called back due to Sam Carrick engaging Eric Carlson, which caused a bump on Tristan Jari, which, per the rules, in the crease, any sort of contact like that on a defenseman that causes contact in the goalie, is goaltender interference. It does not have a any sort of situation of uh, incidental, non-incidental. If you're in the crease, it, it's goalie interference. It was minimal. And so I think you have seen that go a little bit either way from time to time. But per the letter of the law, it was goaltender interference in my opinion. And so with the Ducks challenging, uh, or the Ducks ended up challenging it though. And the referee, I just wasn't going to overrule his call in that situation. And Greg Cronin went nuts. And I think Brian Hayward, we typically give him a lot of a hard time, but he brought up a great point that the referee has to have better awareness there of this is a close game. This is you're negating a goal and it's emotional. And Greg Cronin went off and you can lip read all you want from that situation. He went off on the referee and it didn't appear the referee even gave him a warning in that situation. The Ducks were already going to be going down a man in that situation also because of the 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 challenge that didn't go their way and the ref gave Greg Cronin a two minute minor for that, which put the ducks on a five, uh, five on three for two straight minutes to end the period. And it just feels especially harsh when you add in the context that they were already well, going on the penalty. The kill. thing you got to keep in mind is that the, the, I mean, this is now a tangent, but go for it. Th- there was that meeting with the coaches and the refs before the season. And the league has warned the coaches not to show up referees. Like that is, that's that fair. Is, I forgot that about a, that. That is a point of emphasis this season. And that's fair. That's a, that's a good point. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it was a good decision or not, but that is the standard that they're trying to enforce. Yeah. And, and I think all things considered, if there wasn't already a penalty that was happening for the ducks, I think that you would understand the referee giving Cronin a two minute minor in that situation. Yeah. But it's almost one of those things where you would expect a little bit more awareness to not put a team down five on three for that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's unfortunate, but the Ducks got a win for their coach. Another thing I wanted to note uh, about this game before we get some other stuff is just, and we'll have plenty of other opportunities to talk about him, but Pavel Menchukov is just like the goal, the, the first goal that McTavish scored, you know, it's just, it's becoming routine for Menchukov, but just, you know, a keep in at the blue line to create, you know, to, to keep the play alive with a smart pinch. He's just doing positive things all over the ice, creating defensively, offensively, neutral zone. And I thought that even though, yes, it's it's not a great process game overall for the team, the Ducks are still, you know, they're still a team where you're going to look at individual performances as well. And you want to see growth from the younger players. And I thought that this was a good young players game. Like I thought that Leo Carlson and that line, they looked a bit better than they did previously in the previous game. And then McTavish, that line hemmed in a little bit, but McTavish really carried his weight defensively and obviously the two goals. And then Minchukov just, you know, doing what he does. And also Jackson Lacombe, like throughout the night, having a matchup against Sidney Crosby at times, getting steals along the wall. Like it was just the young players are, the young players are driving this team. They, yeah. they are, they are what's, making this go well, because because yes frank vetrano might score 50 goals this season and yeah and he has been great but without these young players elevating their game we're not having this conversation right now like we are look at who was on the ice in the five on three situation to uh, it, he wasn't the first guy on or in the first group but in the second group that ended up uh ended up with the shorthanded breakaway goal for mctavish uh, by the way, shout out to, uh, Dimitri, who's Dimitri Filipovich on the PDO cast. who just popped into our YouTube chat. Go check out the PDO cast as always. Yep. Um, but who was on the ice in that five on three Jackson Lacombe. Yep. Like, yep. I don't really know. I mean, that's kind of what the way the D is set up, but I mean, I he's, guess he he's been on the PK all season. Yeah. But and rightfully in that, so in that situation, not Radko Gudis, it was I think, Jackson. I think Gudis got out there too, maybe for another PK, but. I'll take a look at the shift charts, but I think in the five on three situation, it went from Fowler Labushkin to Fowler Lacombe. Yeah, you may be right. Game there. Yeah. Uh, so to, either way, to, oh no, it was Lacombe, Lacombe Gudis. Sorry, Lacombe yeah. Gudis. Lacombe has still, been Lacombe has been very good, and you know it's not perfect. It's not like you know he's he's not fooling anyone out there as like the best defenseman in the league or anything. But no, it's just solid. It, it's very rare. Like this is how I feel with him and Mitchukov. And I'm very surprised I'm saying this about Minchukov, but it is very rare for either of these guys to be caught making mistakes. They don't make mistakes very often. And for just their relative lack of pro experience, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, it, it it's so, so impressive. So anything else from this game that you want to touch on? No, I think we covered it. Okay. All right. So let, let's go back way, way back in the way, way back machine to... What feels like forever ago now. When the vibes were not Vibes HC. The vibes were not vibe, Vibes HC. There were a lot of people that were upset, but the the Ducks ended up in Columbus, and it came out that Leo Carlson was not playing in that game. Yep. And I think it was either that day or the next day it came out that the plan with Leo Carlson is that he is going to play two games a week. And there's been a lot of discussion about what a week definition is. I think we have our answer a bit today that it's sun it's Sunday to Saturday probably because Leo Carlson played today and played twice over the last week. So there's probably that, but the thought process there is that Leo Carlson will play two games a week 
to allow him to work on his off ice or work on on ice skills, work off ice in the the weight room and put on some muscle mass there and essentially have a college schedule within the NHL. And um, I actually believe it was on the PDO cast that Sean Shapiro mentioned this, that the Ducks are essentially taking a European and giving him the college schedule and something that a lot of people have uh, given a lot of credit to, to helping them build their strength, like Adam Fantilia, making him pro ready and essentially dumping that on Leo Carlson right now and really focusing on his development through doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, talking to different people about this, cause you know, my stance on this has pretty much been, I don't know, I've never seen it happen. And so I, it's hard to have a strong opinion, but I think the more people that I've talked to about it, who are way more in the prospect world than I am, there's been a lot of good positive feedback on yeah. this. And I think the biggest thing with Leo Carlson that we have to keep in mind is that, you know, he is still the player that we were talking about before the draft. Like he is still that guy who has amazing tools, you know, amazing, you know, gifts in terms of his, his brain, his, his patience, his playmaking, but he is not a finished product by any means. You know, the skating stride is still a work in progress. Uh, the quick twitch ability off the wall, all of that, he's still developing. And so if you're going to have him in the NHL, this is arguably a really good way to do it because you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting him to develop in the things that he needs to work on, you know, off the ice. So strength, all of that. But when he does get into games, he gets to specifically also address the things that I think he's going to need to get better at in the NHL. Whereas, you know, if he was over in the SHL, you could make the argument that that league at this point in time is not going to develop the things that he needs to work on quite as much. You know, with the NHL, the biggest thing is getting off the wall. It's winning those board battles. It's getting into the middle. With the SHL, you know, that's not quite as necessary. It's still valuable, but it's not quite as necessary because the ice is so much bigger. You know, once you get into the middle, there's still a lot of space to cover. The NHL, the rewards are bigger when you do that. And so I think that for Leo, this, this is the best, this could be the best of both worlds. And I think it's just fascinating and encouraging that the Ducks are taking this approach and not just saying, well, he had a good rookie face-off, so now welcome to the NHL, you're playing all 82. Like, I think yeah. that this is a good recognition that he is still very much a work in progress. And I think also the other side of that is they're not limiting his his ice time in games either. Like, no, he's playing it, a significant yes. amount. I mean, tonight was probably his least amount of ice time because I think of the amount of penalties. A lot of penalties. Yeah. Lot of penalties and, and specifically penalty kills, not power plays, which led him to only playing 1554, which probably was a, a season low for that him, has to, to be, be honest. a season low. He's been over 20 almost every game, I feel like. Yeah, it. this felt like the most evenly distributed minutes probably because of the kills. I don't think any forward, I'm looking at it right now, was over 16 minutes of ice time. But even, so, in, but even in a game where he's not playing 20 minutes, which he has been, like 99% of the games, I think he's played above 20 minutes. He's playing with Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers. Well, like, the, yeah. like, the, like the Ducks are giving him a good spot to be in, and that's really yeah. important. And, and the other side of it is, even though he played 1554, that's like fifth on the team in ice time. The highest ice time on the team was 1635 from a forward. So it's not as if he was playing like significantly less than the highest forward. Like he yeah. was playing as much as anyone else. It's just penalties really killed it. And so from that perspective, that's what you want. You you would much rather have a guy play miss a game every week and play 20 minutes a night, 15 to 20 minutes a night, than play every game and play 10 minutes. Because you're just not going to get in the flow of a game. You're not going to be able to yeah. impact a game. 
you're just not going to learn in that situation. And so, I mean, Greg Cronin deserves a lot of credit for this strategy. And so, and, and well, the way he's I, I, the way think, he's implementing him is the better way. I, to put I it. would say, Greg Cronin. We don't. I mean, he's, sorry. I think he's following orders <laughs> to a degree. What, what I meant by that was Greg Cronin deserves credit for playing he's, Carlson. Those he's minutes. publicly buying into it though. Like he, correct. He, he is not bristling about it and or anything like that the other piece of information that came out about this was this was not a decree by pat verbeek this was something that pat verbeek worked with leo carlson and his agent on and carlson and carlson's agent ha- actually had some quotes in an nhl.com article that basically mentioned that they they showed him the sports science behind it and they really yeah. had a well detailed out approach well detailed out plan and carlson bought in on it and was good with it and it was collaborative between all of them and that's yeah, what was, you want to see. That's there what you was a really good this. article from Emily Benjamin over yes. NHL.com. It's you cool to see up? the Ducks. It's cool to see the Ducks get a big piece. Um, I mean, you you pretty much laid it out. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that it's interesting. It, there's clearly a rationale for it, and you know we'll we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah. But n- not the only new, newsworthy thing that happened in Columbus though, unfortunately. No, it was not. That was a game where the Ducks ended up winning the game in overtime with a late comeback. And that was uh Sans Trevor Zegers. Trevor Zegers did not take a shift in the entire third period, did not take a shift in overtime. And that was with some power plays late in the game to try try to tie it. Greg Cronin stapled him to the bench. And uh what'd you think of that? I'll let you kind of take the reins on this one. Well if you want to know my thoughts, there's a video on our channel here that you can go yes. check out where if you want to join the, the, <laughs> the, the bunch of people that have commented on it very passionately, oh yeah, please go do so. Yeah. But look, I am not big on benching players for mistakes. Just like full stop, that is my own opinion. Agreed. But if you look at what Trevor Zegers did to get benched, Essentially, I think that up to that point, he was having just kind of a whatever game, not great, not bad. But there was a shift in the second period where on the power play, turns it over at the blue line. You know, all of a sudden, the Ducks have to get back. They reset. And then he has an opportunity. You know, then the Ducks are able to get back out on a rush after a little bit of a back and forth. He just kind of passes up a great shot opportunity slash passing opportunity, just kind of kind of whiffs on a, on a basically what could have been a three on one. And then as he's circling the net, just without really even taking a look, because at that point, the ducks have four guys below the, the goal line. He just throws it into the middle. It goes right back to the blue jackets and, you know, mistakes happen. Like mistakes are fine. It's a game of mistakes. You know, what's the saying? Like the, the, the team that wins is usually the teams that makes one less mistake, right? It, yeah. You're not going to play a mistake free game, but what coaches yep. want to see when you do make a mistake is how do you respond? And on that play, Trevor Zegers responded very poorly. He turned it over and he skated back, quote unquote, skated back. He kind of did the dead controller thing. If you're watching the rush going back the other way, he doesn't actually get back into the picture until the Blue Jackets have gotten shot off from the Ducks slot on a three on two, basically. Trevor showed really poor effort on that play and it was a longer shift, blah, blah. You know, there's reasons for it, but it was it was poor effort. And Greg Cronin is trying to set a standard with this team of effort of be hard to play against the standard was just not met on that play. Yep. And he was benched for it. Yep. And my, this is just my opinion on this. So obviously no inside information, no nothing or that, but first off kind of this, the, 
Zegers had an interview after the Boston game, I believe, or maybe it was the Philly game. Philly. It was the Philly game where he's talked about the bench and, or a benching and Zeger said he saw things he didn't like and the standard is, needs to be better than that and the message has been received. And essentially, he's bought into it. And he he also said, I totally understand where he's coming from re- regarding Cronin. Correct. And yeah. so my read on this situation is that Greg Cronin has a standard that he set for Trevor Zegers. And it is a situation of out of almost love in some senses of, <laughs> I know you can be better than this. I know what you can be. And Trevor Zegers, we should mention this, has been one of the best Ducks forwards this season. Like I mean, he, he has, does not he, have he has, the, he has a case that he has been the best. Yeah, like he does not have the point production to show for it. But if you look at some of the underlying metrics, he's just snake bitten. His line's been snake bitten, but he's put in the work in his own zone. And you look at some numbers like expected goals above replacement. He has the highest expected goals above replacement defensively out of any forward on the Ducks team, which just goes to show that his defensive work rate this season has been better than anyone else on this team. And with that being said when he does not meet those standards that he has shown he can have, that is not good enough to Greg Cronin. And essentially the message that's being sent is, I know you can be better than this. If you're not giving me your all, you're not going to play. Well, it's just an inexcusable play. You know, like it's not even just a Trevor Zegers thing. I think if any player does that, they are going to draw the Potentially. of Greg Cronin. Like you, Potentially. Can't, you can't not skate back sure. when you turn it over. It's sure. just an inexcusable play in the NHL. But I... I also think he's really harping on it. We all heard before the season, everything like that yes. about Zegris's defensive work rate. And so I think they're really harping on a lot of that stuff. And I mean, to be fair to, to, to Zegris, like we said, he's shown up outside of that Columbus game. I think he's been amazing tonight may have been a little bit of an outlier on that also, but he's been great in every single game they've played him. I mean, just a little bit of uh segueing a little bit on that. I also think that entire line, I think, Troy Terry has gotten a lot of shit from a lot of people because he has not scored. Has he? Yes. Oh, because de- he hasn't scored. Okay. De- depending well, on where you scored. look. He has scored. Sorry. He has not scored a, a bunch. And yeah. so, and he's overhandled some pucks. And I think it's noticeable for people and they're really focusing on that. But his work rate in his own zone, his ability to strip yeah. pucks is, has been front and center, I think, this season. If you really watch all of his shifts and the amount of work he does on the board to pull the puck off the board to set up a rush going the other way and create a chance. That's something that does not make the highlight reel, but that is something that Troy Terry has been on like on his game completely with this season and should get a lot of credit for that. And so that's what I kind of was saying earlier when we were talking about Mace McTavish, um, the Zegris and Terry line has been going. They just haven't been scoring. And that's kind of where I'm getting at is they aren't getting many chances against most nights and they're getting a lot of them for, and they're just not going in. Yeah, I think that if you when you watch the Zegers Carlson Terry shifts, they don't they don't play a lot in their own zone. Like I think tonight was probably their worst game in that respect. Yeah, but usually they're getting the puck out of their zone quickly, and a lot of that is because Trevor Zegers has really shown a new layer to his game that we talked about last week. Yep, with that with the the energy, the hustle, and the physicality along the wall, and because Terry Carlson and Zegers are all capable of making short small area plays they're able to get out of the zone quickly and then when they're in the offensive zone i mean there's just so much talent and brain power between yeah. those those three particularly between zegris and carlson that it's yielded really like their numbers are just outstanding yeah and you know i think the quibble with troy terry isn't completely invalid like tonight there was a, a chance he had where 
he had so much time to set up on the left flank. I think it wasn't the power play. And yeah. just, just kind of like, and that's just kind of been him all season on the power play. But I think overall, he's gonna he's gonna get his goals. He's gonna get his points at five and five. We'll see about yeah. the power play. But and I but think he's I, been and, he's been fine. And I think the overhandling things. I think that's a situation of it sticks out in your head because it, it's a turnover against typically, and it negates a lot of the positive plays that he has. And it's you, it's the impactful yeah. play sticking out for you that's a turnover as compared to all of the little things he does on the walls in the offensive zone that helps set up chances. But at the forward. end of the day, like Trevor Zegers or Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry is is paid to make those plays in the offensive zone. Like he's a $7 million a year player. And that's why people are holding him to that standard, not well, negating, not negating the good things he's doing. My thing with my, all of my okay. critiques, all of my critiques of Troy Terry this season have really nothing to do with this play at five on five. It has everything to do with this yes. play on the Agreed. power play. Cause I just think again, Troy Terry is an agent of chaos and where he really kills teams, the opposition is on the rush where he's able to take advantage yeah. of defenders and in a static environment on the power play, it's just not really his game. And you know, that, not saying it can never be his game, but right now it, it's like, there's something about, there's some guys where if you give them too much time, like they're, they're almost worse off than if you give them less time. It's like me with, you know, school assignments. Like if you give me a, a deadline, I'm going to get on my ass to do it. But if you give me a long runway to do it, I'm going to fumble it. So that's just that's just been the story for him at on the power play but i mean the numbers kind of speak for themselves at 5 on 5 like the the offense is being generated it's just not it's not resulting in points quite yet yep uh yeah and so i don't i mean from the the columbus game we didn't really talk about the game too much overall i mean it was uh, a great win <laughs> it was yeah it was a great win brett leeson tied the game late uh to send the game to overtime um and then somehow I'm spacing with how much has happened. Who scored the OT winner? In Was that it McTavish? Game. No, McTavish scored the OT winner against Boston. 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 I think it's right. all meshing in my head. I'll, I'll need to look. Was it, it Vetrano? Yes, it was Vetrano on the Vetrano's a good guess, just because <laughs> Vetrano scored goals. a bunch. Yes, and I mean we should briefly mention Frank Vetrano. I think we're just gonna bounce around for the rest of this before getting to the Boston game. But Vetrano has been just shooting the absolute lights out so far this season. Yeah. So he has. Let's see. I think he has eight goals. He has nine goals. Nine goals now? <laughs> yeah, he has nine goals. And what is his shooting percentage? It's uh, like 27, 28%. Yeah, he's shooting 29% after tonight. Yeah. So, like, there's two layers to this. Yep. One is I think that he's played very well. This yes. is the best Frank Vetrano has ever looked to me playing with the Ducks. I think that he looks a lot more like the player we thought that the Ducks were getting when they signed him. Where you know just chippy along the wall, making smart plays in the middle of the ice, getting it into the middle, you know some good speed along the wing, you know a little physicality. He's doing all those little things that you want to see, and like the shot is the sh he's taking good shots. Like that's the other thing I want to point out is that no, he's never he's not going to shoot he's not going to score on a, nearly a third of his shots no. you know the rest of the way, but he's taking much better shots to me than he was last season. A lot of shots from the between the dots. A lot of shots off passes. It's less of the, okay, well, I finally got into the offensive zone. Let me just throw one. Let me just fling one from a bad angle. Like, he he is taking better shots to me this season. Yeah, and Frank Vetrano, yeah, has nine goals. Sorry, that's he scored tonight. So that puts him at nine goals in nine games. I think he leads. Someone mentioned this in the YouTube chat. He leads the league in goals now. He might. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, you're spot on there. 
I think he's playing a much better five on five game, a much better game overall than we saw last season from him. Um, and I think that that is the most important part because uh, pretty much like you said, he's not going to score on thir- a third of his shots on goal. Like that's just, uh, unrealistic. that's just not like, that's just unrealistic. That's not going to happen. Um, but there is a good underlying process there. Yeah. And so even when those goals dry up, he's going to end up, uh, creating chances for his team, help his team, uh, score goals, everything along those lines. So you have the good process there and he's, uh, out shooting what he should right now. But at a certain point in time, this is kind of where I was getting at. Terry Zegers Carlson will start scoring more goals than they have as of late. And that's kind of the, the ebb and flow that you want within a lineup of when one line is hot, they're able to go, they're able to carry you a little bit and then they're going to cool down a little bit and another line will get hot. And that's kind of what you want over or throughout a team. Yeah. But the, really the biggest positive so far, not the biggest positive, there's a lot of positives, but it's that the ducks have two lines that are playing solid five on five hockey, you know, McTavish, Vetrano, Strom, have been above 50% expected goals percentage yep. and they they're getting the production right now. You know, we, we don't think it'll continue at this rate, but they're still playing sound hockey. And then when Carlson, Zegers and Terry are, are out there, I mean, it's the best of both worlds. They're generating a ton of offense yeah, and they're really not allowing much. Yep. You know, of, of course the caveat there is going to be that Leo Carlson's not going to play in every game. So we're going to kind of have to see how that Henrik Zegers Terry line or whatever they end up doing is going to shake out. The one thing we should probably shift to, unless there's anything else to say, I mean, we should uh, probably talk about the Boston game. Yeah, we should talk about the Boston game, but uh, Vitrano is tied with Debrinka at nine goals. That's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, we, let's talk about the Boston game though. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, that was a, that was a wild, wild game. I mean, Leo Carlson picking up another goal. Mason McTavish scoring an overtime off of a great feed from Leo Carlson. Yep. Like that was, I don't want to say that that was the game that kind of shifted the season for the Ducks because it's been a good start and it's been a very short amount of time, but that comeback, you know, down three, one to win four, three against a good, you know, against solid Bruins team on the road in Boston. Like that's one of those moments that re- that can really galvanize a team. Yeah. And I, I think that this was a somewhat similar game to the the Pittsburgh game where maybe it wasn't their best five on five game overall. It had ebbs and flows. I think that Boston's a very good team though. That that's kind of going to happen, but for the ducks to essentially come back in that game and score two goals late with the goalie pulled, that just kind of shows the resilience that you kind of need. And they're able to essentially get some positive regression in a way that they had not had earlier. And it started going their way. And I mean, I will say, uh, they were actually better than I think I'm, I was giving them credit for. And now I'm re- recalling the Greg Cronin quote, Greg Cronin quote, even um, talking about that second period when they allowed three goals and the fact that they actually had more of the chances at five on five. And so that was a game where they actually held with Boston throughout that game and were able to find some goals late and on the backs of Carlson on the backs of Troy Terry. Um, Zegers had an amazing little stick lift battle play to get the puck back to help uh set up the carlson goal was what i think the one that was set up by that and then mctavish ends up finishing a chance in overtime and it just that was the moment that it felt like okay this is a vibes team this is a team that is just gonna be fun to like and so for anyone out there wondering what i mean by that this is a team that kind of is just not gonna give up they're gonna play fun hockey they're a young team that just it's almost like they don't know what they're up against right 
Like, I feel like there's always a team every season that's kind of like that, that they just don't know what they're up against in those situations, and they just don't back down. They're able to keep going. They're able to keep playing. They're able to keep pushing throughout any situation. And we've seen it. I mean, I think Toronto comes to mind their very first season with Matthews, where it's just kind of the vibes are at a high. There wasn't a whole lot of expectation, so everything that's going right is always a huge plus. And when something goes wrong, it's like, okay, we weren't expecting to be that good. And so I think that's where I'm at with why this is such a vibes team this year. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's fun to see what they're doing. The the vibes are good. And some people are bringing it up in the chat, but something to really highlight is that this was the first game for Zegris after the benching. Yes. And he really, I thought had a pep in his step, you know, playing yep. in Probably the town where he, season. Yeah. Playing in the town where he played college hockey and he was really, really good. Like, and again, you know, doesn't have the points to show for it in this game, but he was all over the place, creating plays, wreaking havoc along the wall, winning battles, and you know eventually did get rewarded, getting a you know picking up a goal against Philly. But I thought that this was a really nice response game for Trevor Zegers to kind of show that, hey, like I I am capable, I should be held to that high standard because you know this is what I can do when I'm on my game. Yep, and I mean on the flip side of that. Also, Cronin threw him right up, right back out there and played him a bunch. This yep. wasn't any hard feelings held by either side. Message was sent, message was was received, and Cronin put him back out there and trusted him. Yeah, it's it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to bench you, and now you're on the short leash. You know, you're going to be dialed back. It was, it was a very quick kind of band aid rip, and now back to business as usual. Yep, and uh, I believe against the Philly game, Cronin had mentioned that with that benching that. Uh, Zegers is just all about the team. He was the first guy in. He was celebrating the hardest for that win in Columbus, even though he was stapled to the bench. And so he's like, that's a really good sign from that kid. Yep, exactly. So I don't know. That's kind of all I've got on the games, unless you've got anything else. Yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, it's weird because typically you would expect the the game against the Flyers, a, go- uh, a game where the Ducks scored seven goals, Frank Vetrano had a hat trick, that we would have a whole lot more to say. But that almost feels like the most ho-hum win out of all of these it wasn't somehow, really some way it wasn't really a statement win despite the ducks playing well you know the the flyers have been a team that has been a lot better than i expected defensively yes. and the ducks put up uh you know they got the extra point in this one and that is that is noteworthy i mean frank vetrano picking up a, a hat trick but when you kind of compare this one to you know the big one in boston the big one tonight in pittsburgh kind of the controversy ish in Columbus, like this one just kind of takes yep. a backseat. Yep. But I mean, we talked about how good Lucas Dostal was tonight and against Philly, he probably did not have his best game ever. And the ducks picked him up with seven goals. Yeah. Should also point out that Leo Carlson played in this game and I, I didn't think he had his best game either, you know? Yeah. So he, he's kind of had some up and down performances and that's going to happen. Like he's not going to be amazing every single game. Um, and I thought tonight was a better showing against Pittsburgh, but he's still kind of figuring out. I mean, he's he's barely into his NHL career, so it's not a hot take. So he's still figuring it out. But yep, th- that's why you got to temper your expectations a little bit about what he's going to look like every single game, and maybe why the Ducks are correct with their approach. Yep, and so we'll see if he plays Wednesday. I feel like he probably will, um, just because if we're going with Sunday to Saturday, there's only two games this week. And then maybe he will end up sitting uh, on the Sunday game next week. Maybe that's kind of how we'll end up playing. Yeah, we'll see. Um, 
One thing I should talk about, or we should talk about, is that, you know, Alex Kalorn, is he close? Do we know if he's close? I I mean, there was the confirmation that he was skating at Great Park with the skills coach last week. Yeah. yeah. And what was it? Four to six weeks was the, the timetable. I think four weeks was last Wednesday. Yep. So we are approaching the five-week mark, the middle of that timeline. So... I mean, we'll have to wait and see. It's it's unknown, I guess. And we don't really have any updates on him from the team. We don't have updates on Drysdale, no updates on McGinn. So kind of unclear. And I mean, didn't look pretty for John Gibson either. So maybe Lucas Dostal is going to get the reins here for a little bit and Alex Daylock will come up and be the backup. That may be the way things go up in the, the near future. I don't think the Ducks have very many back-to-backs incoming. So Dostal should be able to have a little bit of runway here. Well, let me ask you this. Once Alex Kalorn comes back, which we're assuming Ugh. it's 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 close, Ugh. what do you do with this lineup when Leo Carlson is in? Like, let's just ignore Man. the non-Carlson games. You had to go there with the question because that's the one I've been dodging for a bit now. I mean, I'll give you my take. I'll just jump okay. in and, and you can react. I mean, to I think take. I agree with your take with where you're going to go. So I think yeah. Frank Vetrano has had a fantastic start to the season, and this is not a slight against him in any way, shape, or form. But Alex Kalorn is being paid six and a half million dollars. He has a history of being a finisher. He is a good, you know, five on five player. Not amazing, but he's a guy who can play and be elevated by playing with playmakers. Like I think that him next to McTavish, and this is now spoiling my answer, but Kalorn, McTavish, Strom makes the most sense to me. Segrist, Carlson, Terry, you don't touch that. And then a third line of Frank Vetrano, Adam Henrique. You know, Jakob Silverberg has been better than I expected. I would prefer yeah. to see Brett Leeson in that spot. But I think Vetrano and Henrique, you know, it's a better situation for both of them. You know, they're not being cast off to a third line where they're basically playing with fourth liners. Like Henrique and Vetrano are both guys who can play in a top six. And all of a sudden, they're in a third line role. And I think that they can thrive in that. So yeah. that, that would be the direction that I would go in. I don't know who sits out, but I think that... You know, you signed Alex Kalorn to be in a top six, and it just, I don't think that him being on a third line with Henrique and Silberg is going to be a waste of his talents. He needs to play with a playmaking center, a true playmaking center like a Mason McTavish. Yep, I don't I don't disagree. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that will push back on you on that and saying, how do you drop a, one of the leading goal scorers to a third line, yada, yada, yada. And I think the, the way to adjust your thinking on this is it's no longer a third line. You have to think about it almost as if it's a, a top t- nine. You have a top nine, which is what the best teams in the league do. And yeah. sure, maybe that line is the weakest link of those three. But what you can do is you end up playing the line that is going that night. And yeah. to their credit, like Henrik Silverberg and Jones have not been horrible of late. And so if you pl- uh, prop in uh, Frank Vetrano there, I will get better. I think well, Max I mean, Jones has been fine, but I think Vetrano has been significantly better than he well, has yeah. been at five on five. So there, it's just going to improve everyone. And so you add more depth and all of a sudden we talked about, right? Depth of this team. And that was the concern, right? Scoring depth. And all of a sudden this team looks a lot deeper than you would have thought. Well, I just, I was going to add though, that if you really want, you can put Ryan Strom on the third line and have sure. Tron and stick and stick with Vetrano on the second line until he inevitably cools down. But yeah, I mean, the Ducks do look deeper. Um, Maybe it's a little bit soon to make that take because some of the numbers for those lower tier lines don't look as great. But the thing is, I think the big thing to me with, you know, the fourth line, the third line is that they're not generating much offense. 
but they're not getting, you know, they're not allowing a ton of offense against. Like they are just kind of out there playing boring ish hockey, which, you know, for where the Ducks are at health wise, missing a Brock McGinn, missing an Alex Kalorn, getting that from that bottom six, because to me, it is a true bottom six. Like it's not a third line that's part of a, a top nine. Yeah. They are playing way better than I expected. Like Brett Leeson. Brett Leeson's looked Brett great. Leeson's been great. Like I feel like we haven't given him enough flowers. Like he he should be higher up in the lineup. There's just not really a spot for him. But yeah, the Ducks depth looks better than we anticipated. Yeah. Shout out Chubbs Pearson who just gave us a super chat saying yep. Ducks are back. Best Ducks pod. Rudy and Gilix are goats. You're yes, Rudy? I guess so. This is what the AI uh the AI images have have said that I'm Rudy and you're Gilix. I mean, it is kind of shocking that you've never had that as a nickname. So. I haven't. Uh, well, did I? Maybe in the high school for water polo at some point. I and did. to the to the question about I did I forget Lundestrom here. I mean, I'm not really forgetting him. I'm just talking about the team that's playing right now. Like he's not going to be back until the new year. So and I think Lundestrom is probably your fourth line center. I mean, he kind of has to be. Yeah. Like you're not putting Adam Henrique on the fourth line, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so, but, and then the thing is, these are all just like, these are all these just are labels. good problems to have. Yeah, but these are all just labels. Like being a fourth yeah. liner on a good team means you're playing on a good team and you're contributing, right? Like it, it doesn't mean that you're a bad player. So, if it ends up being the case that Isaac Lindstrom is on the quote unquote fourth line, that may be a great spot for him, especially in the system. Yep. Completely. All right. Anything else, or want to get start getting into some questions? Questions. All right, so we're going to start with our Discord, and then we have a couple on Twitter, then we'll get to Twitch and YouTube. We'll kind of blitz through these as fast as we can. So here we go. I'm trying to get to the beginning because there are a lot of questions. All right, Shake and Wing said, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, Shake and Wing said, after watching about 10 games, with uh, what contrast and comparisons do you have from last year? Uh, structure. One word, yes. structure. This team yes. plays with structure that it did not have last year. Yes, I also think youth movement. I think that the youth are being given a chance to thrive, being put in positions to thrive, and op- being optimized in those roles that we did not see them in last season. Yep. I think that that is also a key element here. I don't think if Dallas, I think if Dallas Aikens was the coach, you would not have seen Jackson Lacombe out there in that Damn. same situation. Dally just can't can't go a podcast that catching strays. I mean, do you disagree? I just don't feel like we need to talk about him anymore okay well this was about last year so no i know i know i'm the just question was there no i uh, guess i guess yeah but, but a lot of people are still like hey go ahead like yeah shoot the strays if you want but i'm just you know but root, root said root said will cam fowler have his number up in the rafters of honda center nope hall of very good ring of honor for fowler. what if what if they win a cup with him no it's a ring of honor for cam wow love cam hater Olaf said, how are the vibes? Vibes are great. Vibes Hockey Club right here. Vibes Go get HG. your shirts. Crashthepond.com slash shop. Thank you, Olaf, for that. Mr. Jared said, who lifts the cup first? <laughs> who in a hypothetical or the Ducks win the cup? Cam Fowler. Wow. So hypocrite you are. That's okay. It, how? We'll, how? We'll it move would on. be Cam. Cam's an assistant. We'll move uh, on. Olaf said, who or what stood out to you the most over the four-game road trip? Uh, Guts. Guts and glory. Like, there's a stick to itiveness to this team that we have just not seen in years. Yeah. And I think that along with that, there was good five on five process. But I, I think that that I would agree with that. I think this game, Dostal stood out. Like, Dostal was the reason they won this game. I think we, we, yeah. we may not have sold that enough that he was that good where he stole this game for them. Yeah. 
He did. Yeah. Uh, Dorian said, do you think Pat Verbeek locks up McTavish long-term after his ELC? Uh, well, well, probably. We'll but see. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving up on predicting what Paverbeek does. With yeah, I, I don't have an idea at all. Honestly, my energy in that realm is just spent after the Zegris just yep. nightmare. So, yep. Just, just end the, just sign the contracts. Whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out when they're signed. We'll, we'll talk about them when there's a contract to talk about. Correct. Olaf said, if John Gibson is out long term, two plus weeks, would you prefer Cronin maintain an evenly split workload between goalies or give Dustall the majority of the starts? I mean, I'm of two minds here because I think that a lower workload is just better for goalies in general. But I also do kind of think that Dostal at some point, it'd be nice to see some proof of concept with him playing a bunch of games. Yep. So I'm going to say majority. I mean, two plus weeks is like, what, six games? Like that that's not a significant amount of games that he's playing straight. But it, it's so. just more of the it's more of the consecutive nature. Sure. Yeah. I, I would I would Which say Dostal the majority. He hasn't really done that in the NHL yet. So yeah. Rooch said, how much crow are we feasting on this year? I mean, I think that this start was within our kind of realm or our range of expectations. Yeah. But, but I didn't think that it would hit like to this degree by any means. I think this was in the realm of expectation, but this was the high end of kind of everything going right. Cronin, the, the key part, Cronin being a good coach and bringing in a good philosophy because there was just so much unknown there. Yep. If, so knowing what we know now, where would you adjust your point projection to? I mean, I don't think I'd raise it that much. Like there's going to okay. be a point where this team hits a wall, like okay. not to, not to throw cold water, but like they're, they're going to struggle at some point. Every team does. Um, so I may have adjusted it by like five to 10 points. So where, give me a point total. I, I don't even, like I don't, seven, I don't think like I, 75. I don't think I did a point total. So yeah. Maybe we, like maybe 85 tops. Yeah. I would say, I would say 85 to 90. I'm going, going for funsies there. I think I'm had, I had him at 80 or 81, maybe okay. 78, something in that range. Um, let's see. Doom Krauser said, I'd like you both to spend time discussing the fact that Mason McTavish is a born leader, a clutch goal scorer and the future captain of the ducks. I mean, he has been really, really good and he has. It's just so strange because, you know, when you watch him play, he's just such a different player than a Zegris, than a Carlson, than um, a Troy Terry, that it's really easy to overlook him. But he does so many smart little things all over the ice. And I mean, the thing that the biggest thing that's standing out to me outside of all that is just that shot. I mean, yeah, he had a he had a one timer tonight that was just like from that right circle that was labeled for high glove and. Penguins goalie makes a save, but his shot, you know, one timer off the rush, one foot, two feet, whatever it is. Like he is just ripping it right now. Yeah. And as for the, the comment about captaincy, I think he would be a good choice. I think personally, I think, or I think Troy Terry is still the best choice. You hear him in interviews. You hear how he talks, you hear about how he's kind of, uh, talks about Carlson, what he does and everything like that. And I think that Troy Terry is still the best option, in my opinion. I think Mason McTavish is a good second option, though, for that. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter that much, right? Like, we know no. that they have leaders in that room. And, you know, regardless if you have a letter on your chest or not. We're not in that room either. So you can still be a leader. And there might be a reason that so many people talk about him in that way that we just don't know about. So, yep, yep. Uh, Root said, how bad are Vitrano, McTavish, and Strom's backs going to be uh, having to carry the team or having to carry the entire team? I don't think they've carried the entire team. I mean, from a scoring perspective, they have. Correct. <laughs> and at some point, the other guys have to score, Correct. but they will. 
Correct. Exactly. And it's not as if they are the only line that is creating chances. So that that is the thing there. Uh, Lou said a comment. Good on McTavish for throwing his hat into the pen- potential alternate captaincy race tonight. However, he can never be captain because he goes barefoot while wearing dress shoes. Yeah, tough look. It's tough a good look. look. It's a good tough, look. Sky, Sky Paul said, now that we have seen the play of our second line, when Drysdale, Kalorn, McGinn, and Lundstrom come back... Oh, what would your so we already had forwards. What would your ID, ideal D lines be? I mean, the only guy that I think you sit from the D would be like Vakaninen. And I think Vakaninen's actually look solid enough. Vakaninen or Labushkin, one of those two. Yeah. I actually I think Gudis has looked the roughest out of well, all you're the not defensemen. Si- you're not sitting. No, you're not, but no. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. So yeah. Um, shocking 911 said, Who's the most valuable Ducks player going forward? All answers that aren't Pavel Mitsukov are wrong. Most valuable Ducks player. I mean, it's, I mean, it's Carlson. Hard. Yeah, like in terms of the franchise value, yeah. like Carlson is is the, the crown jewel, but there's a lot of candidates for this question. Yep. Uh Tiki Lore said, Is Strom underrated by Ducks fans? I think he's properly rated right now. He's got a yeah. bunch of points and he's playing yeah. well. I think he's properly rated. He was really bad last year. Like yeah. this start does not over like you can't overlook just how bad he was because of the start this year. I think you can maybe make some assumptions about the entire team being bad last year and Dallas Aikens being the coach. That's but, the thing. Everyone was not great last year. Correct. But I think that he's probably properly rated. I think in the off season he was properly rated and he's shown that that was not who he was as a player last season, but he had to come out and show that and prove that. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. We've got some more here, so let's just keep on going. Rooch said, should we give Troy Terry the Zegers treatment? What does that mean? I don't know what that means, so okay. we'll move on. Lactic said, I'd like to pro- uh, propose a revisit of the Strom Vitrano contracts now that they're free of Dallas shackles. How do we grade these contracts now? Do we give Rabik a bit more credit now that we've seen some performances I mean, similar to before they entered free agency? I mean, give it more than 10 games or whatever. <laughs> yes. But yes. I, I feel the same about them as I did Honestly, like I didn't, my opinion on them hasn't really changed that much. Like they're still just kind of fine contracts, especially with Vetrano. I think you need Strom to play better for sure. Like, you know, more consistently to make that contract look better. But my opinion hasn't changed that much. Yep. Rooch clarified saying benching Troy Terry. No, no, that no, that that's a dumb idea. I mean, you and I are, are both in agreement that benching is a bad decision in the first place. So and I think Terry's been good. I think he's been really good defensively. He hasn't done also. anything like if the standard for benching is you know kind of these inexcusable defensive effort plays. Troy Terry isn't anywhere close to, to being at fault in that way. So yeah, I'll I'll let you take this one. Sky brings up what's your ideal power play lines? Oh man, my ideal power play would be Zegers Carlson on the right or sorry the left wall, and then McTavish on the right flank as that one timer option. Um, you can put Strom, you can put Henrique in the bumper spot, and then Pavel Mintukov at the top. Okay. Uh, Doomcross said, with the league reportedly warning coaches before the season to tone down yelling at the refs, does Kernan get fined for his behavior tonight? I, mean, I don't know how the fines work. I don't know how all that is you know, dished out, but maybe. Yep. Uh, Sky Paul brings, uh, says, why don't the Ducks name a captain? Uh, don't know. Great question. <laughs> yep. Unclear. All right, I've got a couple DMs, so we can do these very quickly, and then maybe a couple of Twitch and YouTube. You got time yep. for that? Yep. All right, so we'll start with uh, these couple of Twitter questions. Uh, new pod bit. This comes from Chris Crober, Chris Kober. Uh, 
take bets predicting which games Leo will play slash sit each week. So I'm I'm not I'm not playing that game. I I will play it. Uh, he plays on Wednesday, sits on Sunday. Okay. I'm going to go. the game Wednesday, so that's why. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Adam Brohl says, "Who do you think is currently better, Zegers or McTavish? And who do you think will have a better career, Zegers or McTavish?" They're so hard to compare. It's they are, so hard. They're very hard to compare. I am more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dang, I'm losing the word, but. I am more uh, keen. Well, no, not keen. I'm losing my words, but I am more That's of fine. a fa- I am more of a fan of how Trevor Zegers plays. Yep, that is just more of my style of yep. player. Um, but Mason McTavish arguably is just as effective in his own way. So I don't think that either player is necessarily better than the other. I think I think right now, today on October thirtieth, twenty twenty three, Trevor Zegers is the better player because he's yes. older and more developed. But yes. To the second part of the question, in five years, you know, it could be McTavish. It could be Zegers. I would bet on Zegers just because I'm more partial. There we go. That's what I was for. I'm more partial to Zegers' game. But you can't you can't really go wrong. The thing I would like to see more of from Zegers, and this is something that's really hit me watching him play, is when he uses his skating to create advantages, so cutting back along the wall, you know, making those kind of punch stops off the rush, he is so much more dangerous. But a lot of the times he just kind of settles and he stops skating and tries to create that way. So the more he can embrace all those different tools, like he could just become so dangerous. Yep. And I would agree with that. I think right now, Trevor Zegers is the better player overall. I think he's better at creating offense. I think this season he's actually been better defensively. Uh, It's unclear long-term. It's hard to really say. I think that they're both going to be fantastic players and they're going to do it very differently. So it's really hard to compare them necessarily. And they, and they will do it on the same team as my hot take. Yes. They will be joined. Uh, they will be joined at the hip. All right. Time for some questions. So we're going to, or from Twitch and YouTube. So for those of you listening on your favorite podcast services, you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash pond, where if you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime gaming sub each and every month. You can be just like our good friend, uh, blue Eagle. Who's Derek said, uh, hi, Jakey, Jakey, just popping in again to give my subby sub. Hope you and the fam are doing well. We are Derek. Shout out to you thank and you. chicken taco salad who resubbed and Olaf gave out a community sub. So thank you guys so much for that. And so if you have Amazon prime, you just hit that subscribe button after 30 days or you can find us on youtube youtube.com slash crash pond where we post shorts we post uh or felix post breakdown videos you can find us over there um and watch our shows live and you can ask us questions in the chat interact in the chat everything like that and we now have the ability to super chat you can subscribe to us there you can thank us there um and then also just subscribe to the channel um it's easy i know if you're listening to this i know if you're watching this you have a youtube account Go subscribe, like the video. Um, all right, so we've got this question from DB Lowry, um, and start throwing questions in the chat also if you're in YouTube and Twitch. But saying, was this the breakout game the Ducks have been waiting for from their goalies? Gibson looked solid prior to the injury, and then Dostal took off took off from there. Here's my hot take. I think that the I think that the uh, breakout game from the Ducks goalies has been the season where they've just been good enough in most games, like. You know, we know that Lucas Dostal, we know that John Gibson can have an amazing game, but just being average on most nights to me, that is the breakout. Yeah. Yep. All right. Olaf is berserker said, how do we feel about Cronin getting tossed tonight? Result notwithstanding. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the NHL is making that a point of emphasis. He crossed that line. Yeah, it is what it is. 
I don't know. I mean, Olaf brought up a decent, uh, not decent, a, a good point in our Discord when we were discussing this, and I was kind of wondering if you should challenge that even because up one goal rate, do you challenge that and put yourself on the penalty kill with how the Penguins penalty or Penguins had already scored from the power play? Um, and so you're on an iffy one. You're putting yourself in a really interesting bind there by by challenging it. But he brought up the point that um, he was going out on a limb for his fourth liners, the guys that aren't going to get the most ice time that really created a nice chance and scored a nice goal. And he went out on a limb for them, and this was almost felt like doing that also and really sticking out or sticking up for those guys. I mean, players eat that stuff up. Like, exactly. They love to see a coach going about for them, and maybe it'll just this is just a long term. 4D chess play by Greg Cronin. Yep. Feels like it a little bit to me. Same thing with the, like similar to the benching uh, of Zegris. So yep. feels like he's trying to pull the strings, really trying to do everything to build that culture, build that belief within the team and, and all those things that you hear from the locker room. Uh, DB Larry said, just how good uh question, just how good is Minchukov gives me pronger pronger vibes. How drunk am I on the orange Gatorade? I mean, you might be drunk if you are comparing Minchukov to Chris pronger, <laughs> But he, I mean, I don't like to do this. I'll leave this mostly to the other folks. But if you look at the numbers, like he's been as good as some of the best D-men in the NHL so far this season. Not saying he's as good as Kale McCarr or Adam Fox or any of those guys, but he has played at that level. And the stats the stats say it. The eye test says it to me. Like just yeah. how aggressive he is all over the ice, creating plays, creating everywhere. There's really not enough, like, you can't really be too hyperbo- hyperbolic with Pavel Mantuka. Like, he's just been amazing. Like, yeah. I will be the first to admit I did not see this coming with him in year one. Yeah, I I don't, I mean, I think a pronger vibe is a little, I wouldn't say that. I think well, he just doesn't to, play that way. Like, no, he <laughs> he plays close, closer to, like, a Kale McCarr, I think. And not trying to put those lofty expectations on him. But that's kind of what I see with him. And someone that's good in his own zone is able to get out in transition and constantly create chances for. Uh, Hardcore Luchador said, question, has this stretch been your favorite, uh, or sorry, been a favorite for you both as reporters slash creators? It's different than we expected. Man, that is a great question. I have honestly haven't really had the time to like view it in a bigger picture perspective. Because what? I mean, the, I mean the it's, first a pretty, season, it's a pretty low bar. <laughs> the first season of this podcast was the 17-18 season where the Ducks finished with like 100 points, right? Still Randy Car- It was still Randy Carlisle as the coach. Um, that was the year of the Votnin for Henrique trade, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Because we covered that trade. I will say my answer to that is yes. Because if you look at this team the buildup like the fact that we have seen these players get drafted by the team that we have talked about their development that we've kind of followed them from the very beginning that we've debated draft picks before they were ever picked yeah and now to see it play out on the ice it's just really cool like it gives you we have nothing to do with this team's success at all but you do almost feel like a sense of investment just because like we've been there with this kind of rebuild since since day zero. So I think that, yes. Yeah. Although I will say though, that like, if you go back to our original seasons, there was a joy in kind of those early days of doing every game and, and really seeing it build and kind of grow from zero. I think that it's going to be hard to ever top that. But as far as just what we're seeing on the ice, like it's, this is the best it's ever been. It, It was also, I think you and me figuring out our voices in this, 
in this realm in this era whereas now we've been doing this for so long yeah. but i think or battle, i think or after, battle worn yeah i think after so many years of i i think last year was an especially tough one where i think we hit the point of what more do we say about these games and we there wasn't a lot to say about the games because it was same old story same old night and this week i mean to peel back the curtain a little bit most of the time it's, it's you and me just vibing off each other shooting the shit don't really have a script we know generally what we're going to talk about and we just kind of go off of it but this week with kind of how much happened and how much fun how many fun things and also controversial things with the zegers benching but how much of all that happened like i sat down before we went live and just kind of at least jotted down everything that happened and it's been a while since kind of i've been able to like think through that many different fun things that have happened over the course of a week for this ducks team yeah it's just all positive right now with this team you know even the even the the stories that are lesser uh you know less enjoyable like the benching they ended up having a happy ending like it, yeah. it's it's just been so rare and yeah it, and honestly like i think we should give a shout out to just everyone that supported us through with this beginning yes. because yes i think part of the reason that you and i were a bit deflated last season is because i mean our our fans our listeners were deflated too like showed in the numbers you know not as many people listening you know we still appreciate everyone that was hanging in there with us but it's just a different vibe when you can feel the excitement coming from the listeners too. Like it is a two way street at the end of the day. We're not just talking into a void. Like we feed off of you guys' energy. Yeah. I mean, case in point, this episode, we have well over a hundred of you guys in here. I can't remember the last time we broke a hundred with live stream. So yeah, that, maybe, that, la- maybe, maybe last week or no, we were at like 80. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. So, but, it, but it's been higher this season than it, than it has in a yeah, long time. And I think that just, just goes to show that this is fun right now. This there are times where where we still love doing this always, but with how the team has been, it can be a tr- feel like a chore at times, and this is fun. Yeah, it feels like we are uh, being loved back by the product. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was yeah. a long, very candid answer. Uh, but yeah, good question, though. Yeah. So I think that's probably going to do it for us tonight. Yep. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say. You know, last call. If you have one last question in the chat, but. This is pretty much going to do it. Big shout out to everyone who supported us with the start. Uh, hopefully the Ducks keep it going. But regardless, you know, win, lose, or draw, although draws don't exist anymore, we will be there. I think that our our track record shows that. Uh, if you want to help support the channel or su- support the podcast, there's a few really easy ways to do that. Oh, the number one I- way right now is to go to our website, crashthepond.com slash shop, and you can check out our Anaheim's Vibe, Anaheim Vibes t-shirt anaheim hockey club vibes hockey club shirt that jake himself designed these are homegrown t-shirts they look fantastic um we've got the palm tree with the hockey stick on there different colors we got the eggplant and jade you can get a gray a white a black a, a white logo a black logo with those familiar ducks colors and our little logo on there so they're fantastic go check them out crash shop you can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate those. Leave us feedback and follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Search Crash the Pond there. Um, make sure to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. This is really the foundation of our podcast. This is like the bedrock for us. For $1 a month, you get access to our Discord community, which is just awesome. 
For $5 a month, you get two bonus podcasts a month along with the Discord community and more perks on the way with that tier as well. Yep, and I should also add, we have a couple shit show questions, so let's just do those quick coming from our Discord. Uh, Let's see. It's mainly just people saying, is it time for you to eat a hat? Because you had mentioned if the Niners lose, you will eat a hat on the podcast. And the questions are, Appa said, what sauce do you want on your hat? Did I say that? I may have said that. I can't. Re- I, I, I can't recall though. So next week, what sauce will you want with your hat? I can't recall. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know what that screenshot is. Looks like Photoshop <laughs> to me. Looks like Photoshop. But uh, Tabasco is a great hot sauce. Okay. Possibly okay. the best. Now you can land this plane. Sorry, I needed to at least call you out there. Um, yeah, we we've got more. Someone's typing in there, but it'll probably just be more of that. We don't need to yeah. talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah. So all that being said, you can also find us on Twitter. Um, again, just to reiterate, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. And with all that being said, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.